what do you know? It is once again a good week to be a Chiefs fan. Let's talk some Chiefs, guys. Welcome to the Chief of the North podcast, the land of 10,000 takes. I am your host, Minnesota Chiefs fan, and like I said, it's a good week to be a Chiefs fan. Chiefs beat the Raiders, all is right with the world. That one tiny anomaly we saw a month ago where the Raiders somehow managed to beat the Chiefs for the first time, and I think it was 40 years or so, give or take. That's behind us. We can forget about it. The Raiders will not sweep the Chiefs. The Chiefs are not dead. They did not go quietly off into the night. Life is good at least for another couple days until the Chiefs play the Chargers, and then we'll see what happens. Um, It was a good win against the Raiders. The scoreboard didn't really do it justice. This was not really a close game throughout. After uh, Chris Jones helped force an interception that Terrence Mitchell made a great play on, the game was over. the, The Chiefs thoroughly outplayed the Raiders. It wasn't as close as the final score indicated, and the final score indicated it was a two score win. So it was good to see. There were a lot of different things that happened in that game that hadn't been happening for a while. It honestly looked like, especially on, it was interesting because the week before against the Jets, the offense finally looked good, and then the defense looked as bad as it's looked all year. And then this week, the offense again looked pretty competent, but the defense looked as good as it's looked all year. It was really encouraging to see a lot of things that we wanted to see happen happened. Um, There's a lot to talk about this week. I'm going to try to zip through as many things as possible because you all sent me like, 4,000 mailbag questions, and I want to do a better job getting to those. Um, So I'm going to talk about our offense and defense against the Raiders. I want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, Matt Nagy effect and what I think is happening there. I want to talk about Marcus Peters. I want to talk about Kareem Hunt being back, and I want to talk about what the offensive line looked to be doing differently. And then I want to talk about uh, pass rush, which is maybe the biggest difference between the pass defense that we saw Sunday from what we've seen previously this year, especially during the losing streak. Um, I did a recent write-up on Arrowhead Pride where you can see a ton of information. I'm going to be pulling from that for the purposes of uh, this podcast because it's my information and I'll use it if I want to. Um, so there's a lot to talk about, and then we're going to try to get into as many mailbag questions as humanly possible. I Once again, and I don't know if it's my timing or what, I'm fighting off just a little bit of a case of the sniffles, so maybe that's just permanent at this point. So we'll try to go through. You might get treated to a nice, juicy sneeze a few times, but we will persevere. So I want to talk about the Chiefs' uh, defense against the against the Raiders. Besides the pass rush, um, first thing that I noticed rewatching is that Ragland and KPL both stuck out a little bit, um, and Derek Johnson seems to be playing better as well. Uh, Ragland and KPL—that's something that's going to have an impact on the future. Um, they've looked good, and. They, they look comfortable out there. They both actually look pretty comfortable in coverage, although KPL is clearly faster and more comfortable in space. But I, re, you know, I really think you might be seeing a future inside linebacker tandem for the Chiefs. Aligwe, I, I think, might have a future as well. But KPL is playing pretty well, and Ragland is definitely a guy that looks more and more like a steal every week. They did a good job against the run overall, although Marshawn Lynch did break off one big run. That was not anything to do with the with the linebackers that had everything to do with Daniel Sorensen, the safety valve on that play, just missing Uh, on a side note. You know, if you want to talk about negatives, Danny Sorensen and Ron Parker probably had their worst game of the year. Um, So that's something to keep an eye on because the safety play was just really tough. I expect Parker to bounce back. Sorensen is just, he's had a rough go of it. Um, 
But the defense overall played well. They were swarming to the ball. They were attacking. They looked a lot more aggressive. They they were tackling better. It was just overall a much better game, a much cleaner game than what we've seen recently from them, especially against the Jets. Um, schematically, I've had some people ask, uh, you know, if there was some stuff that was done differently, especially because. You know, you see, you know, Marcus Peters, one of the best two or three players on the defense right now. He goes out and suddenly the defense plays better. I, I will say this uh, schematically, we're going to talk about this a lot more de- in depth with uh, when we talk about the pass rush. But schematically, they, they did play a lot more press coverage um, and they did a few things along the defensive line that looked different. Um, but I do think playing a lot more press man had a big impact on the defense overall, especially with the Raiders general game plan of dinking and dunking the ball down the field. Um, the, the playing more press man, mixing things up a little bit at the line of scrimmage and just playing better up front resulted in the chiefs defense looking significantly better, even without its, its one of its best players. Um, currently Peters is the best player in the secondary. And so, you know, this whole addition by subtraction thing, I, I don't know what was going on there, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. But the, the defense schematically, there was a lot more press man coverage. They moved guys around on the line a bit more and guys up front, especially just overall played better as did Terrence Mitchell played probably his best game of the year. Steven Nelson played well. Darrell Revis played well. They overall just played better. I'm not going to say it was necessarily schematic in nature other than press man though. And a couple different things we'll talk about when we get to the pass rush section. Um, as far as the offense goes, it was decent. It could have been better. Um, you know, hanging 26 on Oakland's not bad. Uh, you'd like to do more. They unfortunately, you know, right after one turnover, uh, the Chiefs turned it over, and then they had a few failures in the red zone, particularly or close to the red zone. Um, Alex Smith missed Albert Wilson on a post that I think would have been good for six and wouldn't have been that tough a throw. Um, there was, you know, on the flip side of that, there was a really bad drop by Demetrius Harris. There was a really bad drop by Travis Kelsey, both of which would have either been touchdowns or put them right on the goal line. And so you you get two or three opportunities that were just flat out missed. And yet the Chiefs still won comfortably. And that just goes to show how much better they were than the Chargers. The Chargers. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's like some foreshadowing. Then they were than the, the how much better they were than the Raiders in this particular game. It really wasn't that close. Even with the Chiefs not playing particularly well when they got into the red zone. They had a few decent ones, but mostly, you know, Butker had to kick a whole bunch of field goals and you know obviously you want to see them finish off those types of drives but it was encouraging for the second game in a row seeing Alex Smith continue to stretch the field vertically even though I'm not sure how well he was throwing the ball he was still doing it he was willing to throw the ball into uh, some contested throws he did it to Tyreek a couple times did it with Albert Wilson and he got rewarded for it so that was really important to see they got Travis Kelsey involved early Um, they just they did a good job on offense. It wasn't great, but it was good. And that's the second week in a row that the offense has looked good. And, you know, another big thing, and we'll talk in more in depth about this, the run game returned. And that was a really important development because Kareem Hunt, as we all know, you know, he's, he was such a stud early on and then his numbers dropped off for a long time. And there's been a lot of chicken and egg conversation about whether that's him or the offensive line. 
Well, it was great to see him get back on track this week. And what's funny is, despite everything about how, how quiet he's been and everything, he's still the second leading rusher in the NFL. And that's a testament to how well he played during those first five or six weeks and the fact that he's still been able to make a few plays happen here and there, even when the blocking hasn't been there. So I want to talk about Hunt more in depth and what went differently for him. But overall, the offense, I was pretty satisfied with it. Um, you know, Oakland's defense isn't great, but it's, it's, it, it's been playing better as of late and the chiefs were able to move the ball at will. And so that makes me feel a little better seeing two games in a row like that, seeing the defense step up after its worst performance of the season, um, and play as well as they did. That gave me a lot of hope. And again, it was kind of the way that they played better. The, the basic execution stuff going so much more smoothly. Um, I saw a lot fewer, um, zone looks from the Chiefs and that's been a real struggle for them lately. They they did a lot of just press man, play things pretty simple and just get the job done. Um, one thing and we'll talk more about this uh during the pass rush portion of the podcast, but I I I charted blitzes uh and how many how many times Bob Sutton sent extra men and interestingly enough I didn't chart a single time that there were five guys rushing car so it's not like they were sending the house at him they were able to get pressure with three or four guys um mostly four the vast majority of the game was what they sent then they sent three about 10 snaps and then they sent two one snap so they were able to win up front they were able to win individual matchups and so it was just encouraging because that kind of thing you'd think can be replicated, particularly the defensive line playing well against such a tough Oakland offensive line. So a lot of those things are really encouraging. Um, one thing with regards to the offense is the Matt Nagy impact. Now that's two weeks in a row. Um, Andy Reid's been real clear that Nagy's been doing a ton of the work. Um, they, they they formulate the game plan together. But Matt Nagy's the guy that's in collaboration, Andy Reid's really clear about. But he's the guy kind of making the, the play calls. And you can see it. Um, you can see the difference. And I know Josh Briscoe gave a pretty good analogy and talked about, you know, Andy Reid is still the author of the offense, but uh, Matt Nagy's the editor. And I think that's a pretty good summary of what we're seeing. You're seeing something that still very much resembles an Andy Reid offense. And it still, in fact, is an Andy Reid offense, but there's just a little less predictability. And some of Andy's worst tendencies with regards to too much horizontal passing seems to have been phased out a little bit. And that's a very cool thing to see. Um, I really like the job Matt Nagy is doing. My only fear is that he's doing so well is that he's playing, he's coaching himself into a job offer this off season rather than having him around for another season. And for me, it's kind of a bummer that we might only get to see like six games of this because the offense does look significantly better. And I think a lot of credit can go to him. Um, again, it, it, you can still tell it's Andy Reid's offense. The route combinations are the same. The play designs are still very similar, but you just see a little flavor thrown into some of them, a few extra, um, tidbits, you know, just a, just a little bit extra window dressing thrown on, or just an extra look like, you know, for example, the, the near touchdown screen to Kelsey, um, they, they, they did a great job there building off of looks that they've previously shown and then kind of adapting that to something that they haven't done 
out of those looks. And that's what Matt Nagy seems to be doing. He's building on a fantastic offensive system. And make no mistake, Andy Reid's offensive design is fantastic. But he's 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 mixing it up better. He's adding a little flavor here and there. And he's cut out some of the more maddening tendencies. The biggest thing, and I, I said this on Locked On Chiefs, that I've seen is, and this is a tough thing to quantify, the offense looks more built around Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Kareem Hunt than it does Alex Smith. It doesn't look quite as reliant on Alex Smith to make the perfect read every time. Instead, it looks like they're relying on Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey to get open. And there's a big, big difference between those two things. Now, I can't confirm that. I'm not in the huddle, but that's what it looks like. And sometimes you can only base these things off of a gut feeling. Um, I personally think the offense, while Alex Smith is the quarterback, should not be built around his skills necessarily, even though I think he's got some good things to add. But I think building it around guys like Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL. And you can take your Gronk arguments and get out of here with that. I'll prove you wrong statistically or I'll prove you wrong on film. But Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL. And you want to build an offense around that guy, especially someone who's so unique. And Tyreek Hill is similarly unique in that he is the best deep threat in the league. And he's one of the toughest covers in the league. You can build an offense around those two guys, especially with Albert Wilson once again providing competent third wide receiver help. That's been one of the biggest developments of the year is Albert Wilson's development into a solid number three or number four wide receiver. That's been huge for the Chiefs. Him coming back has really, really helped the offense. Um, it's it's just been great to see. They're, they're not asking him to do things he's not good at for the most part, and he's really answered the call and been reliable for Alex Smith. So Matt Nagy just doing a great job so far. Um, I He's the reason, and with what I'm seeing with the offense, I think these things can be replicated. and They can continue to maybe play some of their best football down the stretch, hopefully. Now, again, that's pretty tall order because the football they played earlier this year was pretty awesome. But I really do think that they can maybe do what they were doing, but only better, which man, wouldn't that be something A quick thing on Marcus Peters before we go into our first break and start talking about cream hunt. Um, yes, Marcus Peters got benched and the chiefs played well, played as well as they played in a month. Um, what does that tell me? It does not tell me the Chiefs are better off without Marcus Peters. He's a good player who desperately wants to win based on everything we can see. And so I don't think they're better off without him. But I will say, with regards to the amount of fire you saw on the defense and just the the just the extra whatever you – you know, it's tough to describe, the extra oomph. I don't like things like this. I don't like things that I can't quantify. But you could definitely see a difference in the defense. One thing that does tell me is that they did not feel like – you know, they had a guy who got hosed or anything like that. And so I think this could have been maybe the best thing that could have happened to Marcus Peters sitting out a game seeing. And again, I don't know what's going on with Marcus Peters. I know he got into an argument with a coach. I know that he, he definitely behaved in a way that he shouldn't have in the previous game. And I know that for Andy Reid to suspend you for a game, you've probably got it coming. Is that fair that I would assume that? Not exactly, but I mean, it is what it is. Uh, you know, everything that else that happened with Peters on top of an argument with a coach, it probably was necessary for him to get some discipline. Um, hopefully what Peters could see uh, the way with how competitive he seems like he is, I'm sure it was torture for him to watch his team play without him, particularly to watch them play that well. Um, I'm sure he was happy that they won, but it's gotta be good for a young man like him to see that he's not, I don't want to say he's not irreplaceable. 
He, I hate the word expendable, but the idea is the defense doesn't revolve around Marcus Peters. And if he's not out there, the show still goes on. I think that's a good thing for him to see. Um, and so hopefully now he comes back. Andy Reid has tr- said he's treating it fresh slate. Alex Smith made some comments about, no, we're ready to have him back, said some supportive things. I think this could be a very good thing for Peters, and I think there's a chance we see a very focused, locked-in Marcus Peters down the stretch playing alongside a secondary that looks like it might be starting to hit its stride after yeah one whole game, right after getting roasted by the Jets. So we'll see what happens against the Chargers who have – a very good quarterback, and a very good receiver group. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to start talking about uh, uh, Kareem Hunt and then the pass rush. So Kareem Hunt should still be the front runner for Rookie of the Year. Kamara has kind of taken over a little bit there, which, by the way, a bunch of you wanted me to look at Kamara and told me how great you thought he was, and I really I walked away. I was like, yeah, he's okay. He's not that great. From his film, like I said, he looks good, but not that great. And man, was I wrong. So that just goes to show a lot of stuff. I mean, part mostly being I'm not that smart. Um, so Kareem Hunt, like I said, he should be in the front runner for, for, for rookie of the year. But because of some of the stuff that's happened, um, you know, he's he's fallen off a little bit. He's fallen out of the national conversation. Well, he came back into the national conversation. He had a good day. He had over 100 yards from scrimmage. He, he just played well overall. He ran the ball well. He looked strong. He looked tough. He helped in the passing game. He did everything that we know that Kareem Hunt can do. And so the interesting thing for me going back and watching the last month, even as Kareem Hunt's numbers have gone down, he still looked like the same guy. He's still incredibly tough to bring down. Um, his vision isn't always great on outside zones, but he generally speaking has decent vision. He's pretty patient and he does a good job overall. He's very talented. He's never really dropped off. The big difference that I saw on Sunday was the offensive line. And uh, LDT did a pretty interesting interview that Sam Mellinger was talking about that the uh, the the offensive line kind of simplified things in the run game this week. They kind of just decided, look, you know, we're asking, we've been asking guys to execute a little more complicated combo blocks. We're just going to get down to basics a little bit, and they had some success with that. Um, Mitch Morse was out. Everyone knows how I feel about him. I think he's an exceptional center. But Mitch Morse, even when he was playing prior to getting hurt. Um, the week before, he definitely did not seem like he was fully recovered. He was not playing as good as he usually is. And so Zach Fulton slides over to center where he's perfectly competent and he always has been. And Witzman played at left guard. And I think, and I could be wrong here, but just the basic eyeball test rewatching, it looked like Witzman outplayed what we've seen from Fulton at the left guard spot. And so Fulton being able to at least play decently at center with a, a slight upgrade at left guard and with everything being simplified a little bit, it looked like things improved overall for the running game because of that. Um, you saw a great game from LDT. He finally looks like he's all the way back. I'm excited to see how this offensive line comes together down the stretch. Um, I think they need Mitch Morse healthy. He's still not practicing. He is the best center on the team, and it's not particularly close. Never has been. But um, until he's back, Zach Fulton, I think, can do a very good job, or at least a good job filling in for him. And so seeing them all play to their actual potential was rewarding because there's a lot of talent on that line, but they've been underperforming this year. And it looks like, you know, maybe Andy Reid's having a little more time to work with the line. 
um, with Matt Nagy doing the play calling thing. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, they've got to keep doing it because the line was underperforming for the amount of talent that it had. And the last few weeks, they played a lot better. The pass pro was pretty good. Could have been better, but it was pretty good. Not as good as it was against the Jets, but they were playing a team with Khalil Mack. So that's going to happen. Um, but they've, they've, they've looked better in pass pro. And then this game, they looked way better in run blocking. That's a really encouraging development. And you saw how Kareem Hunt took advantage of it. Um, Kareem Hunt is not a guy who needs great run blocking. Um, but he's not, he's also, as far as I can tell, he's not Jamal Charles. Now I think Kareem Hunt has the potential to be an incredibly special, uh, running back. Um, he's, he's got tons of wonderful traits, but he is not Jamal Charles in that he can't make it happen with absolutely horrific blocking. Jamal could, and that's going to be a bit of the difference there. That's the difference between a guy who looks like a very, 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 very good running back and a guy who's one of the best two or three runners that's ever lived in Jamal Charles. And I will fight anyone to the death over the issue of whether Jamal Charles is one of the best two or three runners of all time. Cause he is. And that's just, uh, well, yep, yep. I think I just proved it definitively just by saying it. Um, moving on past uh, the offensive line and Kareem Hunt. So a big a big project I did this week is I took a look at the pass rush to try to figure out what changed because one thing that you saw is the pass rush was way better against the Raiders. And so what I did is I, I went back and I charted a number of things, the number of pass rushers per play, whether there was pressure on Carr in each individual play, the time between the snap and Carr's release, or when he got sacked or hit. Um, Chiefs who won their matchup on each snap and, you know, win, loss, neutral. If you're listening to this, you know what I mean when I say that. Um, and so it's pretty obvious in and of itself. You know, a win, you beat the guy in front of you. A loss, you get whooped. A neutral, it's either impossible to say or it was kind of a tie, right? Um, so I charted, you know, who won those matchups because sometimes a guy can win his matchup and not get pressure on the quarterback because of a quick throw. I like charting wins because it tells me how an individual player played regardless of what else happened around him. Because, you know, let's say your 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 outside linebacker beats the tackle. He's up against 10 plays in a row. But on every one of those plays, the, the opposing team is doing a one, two, three throw, you know, three step drop, instant throw. So he never hits the quarterback once. So someone would walk away if they're doing box score analysis saying, oh, those are, you know, just 10 wasted snaps by that pass rusher. Um but the problem is that's not the case. And that's why it's so important to check these things with the film because stats don't separate what individuals accomplish versus what teams accomplish. I also charted whether the Chiefs played press coverage. That's why I, I know that they were playing more press coverage. I, I had them above 60% of the time they were in press coverage. I also charted whether Justin Houston rushed the passer on a given snap and whether he was doubled. One thing that I found is by my standards um, – Houston was not rushing the passer on about 34 to 35% of the pass rushing snaps, um, whether he was off the field or whether he was in coverage or something like that. And I got to tell you guys, it's driving me crazy. Bob Sutton called a good game against the Raiders, um, but that is just driving me crazy because when he did rush the passer, he was productive. Despite the fact that he, he was not rushing so often, he still led the team in individual wins um, with eight. And whereas Chris Jones had seven, Tom Ali had six, Alan Bailey had four, Jarvis Jenkins had three, Rakeem Nunez-Roches had two, and, Ta- and Tano Passanio had 
too. So one thing you note there is that list is pretty long. What I really like about that is we saw multiple guys winning up front. For too long, it seemed like Justin Houston has been kind of a one-man band. Chris Jones hasn't been very impressive his second year. He he hasn't been consistent, even though he's flashed great potential. Tom Ali has been hurt. Alan Bailey's been hurt or, you know, just kind of here and there. Jarvis Jenkins was kind of like, non-existent prior to this game. Um, Passigno is only starting now to get time, and Nacho's been a little disappointing this year. But now all of a sudden, you see these guys winning individual matchups, and instead of just one guy uh, winning, instead of one well, one-man band, you've got multiple guys winning, and that's where you saw in several plays where Carr got sacked or hit or th- was forced to throw the ball away or whatever, is that there were multiple guys winning. And when you've got multiple guys winning, you're more likely to actually affect the quarterback because you send him running to and fro and scrambling this way and that. So that was one huge thing that I saw is guys were just winning their individual matchups. Another thing that I saw that Sutton did is he did a little mixing and matching of where guys were lining up. Justin Houston lined up inside on pass rushing downs. Then Chris Jones lined up to the outside of him uh, you know, off the tackle. And that was an interesting twist that's actually um, – one way that was where Jones was lined up where he picked up that sack early in the game. He just overpowered the right tackle. And it's a really interesting twist because teams are terrified of Justin Houston. And so when he's lined up on the inside, invariably both the center and the guard spend all their time and attention on him. Also because a couple times he just absolutely beat the guard like he owed him child support or something. And so it was it, it was cool seeing him operate in that space. Justin Houston's unique among edge rushers in that he has the physical strength to play on the inside. And whereas Chris Jones is unique among interior pass rushers to where you can line him up on the outside. And so it it was kind of a a cool thing to watch and a nice, uh, a nice twist on what Sutton normally does. He had Alan Bailey do it sometimes too. He also even had Jarvis Jenkins line up out there and they saw some success overpowering the tackles who are used to blocking guys who are more like, you know, 275, 280, not 305, 310. So that was a cool thing to watch. They ran a few stunts and that kind of thing. Very few blitzes, mostly just was creative about where he lined guys up. Didn't, you know, he mixed things up to where offensive linemen couldn't get comfortable against any one guy. And then they let them just win. And it was a cool thing to see. Um, Another big change, and I talked about this, the amount of press coverage. This season, I felt like the pass rush has gotten a bit of a bad rap, even though it hasn't been good. It's looked way worse than it is because if you time how long it takes for quarterbacks to throw – They've been throwing the ball extremely quickly against the Chiefs. And when your secondary is allowing guys to run open in two seconds or less, or even like 2.5 seconds or less, it makes it almost impossible for the pass rush to have any kind of real impact. And that's what I've seen happening out there. Whereas they played well in press man coverage, which disrupted routes and made it to where routes took longer than two seconds to develop. And because of that, you saw pressure increase. Um, A final development that, that could affect the entire season Tom Bahali, um, he played his best game of the season. Um, he was noticeable. I mentioned that he was third on the team in wins. That was despite being on a snap count. And he he had multiple plays where he really disrupted what the Raiders were doing. If Hali can do that the rest of this season, that would be such a lift to the pass rush. Because between Hali and Passigno, I'm starting to see things maybe come together on that side opposite Houston. And that would be such a big deal to see because they've desperately needed more from that opposite side. Um, Chris Jones was an, was a monster. 
an absolute monster. He played so well and he showed that potential that has us always, you know, that had us thinking that maybe he might be one of the better defensive linemen in the league this year and said he was pretty identical to what he was his rookie year, which was great for a rookie. But, you know, we expect to see that step forward and we haven't. And this game, this is the kind of thing that we expect to see from him week in and week out because he is so talented. He has a freakish amount of strength. He's very quick for how big and strong he is. And so the the ceiling for him is so high that I think it's frustrated people this year seeing him not come out and dominate like you did against the Raiders. And so if Holly and Hughes and if Holly and Jones can continue to provide secondary pass rush, the Chiefs are going to continue to do very well because Justin Houston is very good at what he does. Now, just for the love of God, Sutton, will you please, 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 please let let Justin Houston rush the passer more, please. I'm begging you, man. I am begging you. Just let him do it. He's still so good at it. Um, and, and it just it's driving me crazy that there are a lot of people in the Chiefs fan base that are down on Houston saying that he's not that good anymore. When despite the fact that he rushes the passer less than anyone else, he's still tied for 10th in the league in sacks. And this is, you know, other guys like Khalil Mack and Von Miller, they rush the passer. It's something like 95% of the time. Where And then you've got Houston, who's maybe doing it 75 to 80% of the time at most. And yet he still manages to get to the top 10 and he still is up top 10 in hurries and in pressures, but people are saying, Oh, he's not that good anymore. And it's just driving me crazy. So please Sutton, for the love of God, rush Justin Houston more. All right. Now that we've taken care of that chief's issue, we got a lot of mailbag questions. I'm going to try to just burn through as many of them as possible. You think I talk fast. Normally I am going to talk faster, I guess. And we're going to try to get through as many of these as possible. And uh, yeah, should be fun. Might have to take a quick drink of water here, but we'll be back for the mailbag right after this. Ah, he caught me on the tail end of a drink. All right. Mailbag questions. Normally I start from the top of my Twitter questions. Today I'm going to start from the bottom for the sake of fairness. Uh, Paul Fuller asks, the Chiefs offense is sixth in the league in yards and points in both the running and passing game in the top 12. So is the offense pulling the defense this year? Uh, Number two, if the defense gets it figured out, can we dare to dream again? Um, I would say with the first part, um, early on in the year, the the offense was carrying the defense. But then, you know, over the last month before the Jets game, the offense was so horrible. It was so bad that it almost made up for how great it was early in the season. So you've got that uh, that that, you know, top 12 thing going on. Well, the problem is some of that's a result of the incredible run they went on early in the year. The offense is better than the defense, and that's a weird thing to say, but it was so bad for like four or five games there that it almost bounced it out. But for the most part, yes, I think the offense has carried the defense more than the other way around this year. And the reason for that is in the games where the offense has played really well, they've won most of them. Um, The few games the defense has played well, they haven't won a lot of them. So until this Oakland game. And then as for number two, if the defense gets it figured out, can we dare to dream again? I think so. Yeah, you know, it's time, you know, it's tough for me because it was just one good win. And so it's tough after all these weeks of pessimism building up to try to get hope again. But this is the same team that just blitzed the league and took them by storm. And so, yes, you can dream a little bit. Um, as far as if the defense gets it figured out, if the offense continues to do exactly what it's doing now and the defense plays like it did against the Raiders with Marcus Peters back, all bets are off. Passanio continues to develop at the the impressive rate he is. All bets are off. So we'll see what happens there. Um, 
Aaron Elder says, can you shut down the false narrative the Chiefs D is better without Marcus Peters? Don't know if it's an actual thing, but I thought I'd throw it out there. Look, if you think the Chiefs are better without Marcus Peters, you probably have that opinion for reasons other than football. It was one game. The Chiefs have played one good game without Eric Berry, too. The The fact of the matter is, he just, uh, you know, it was one game. They played well without Peters. They played well against a team they've traditionally played well against up until this year. Um, there were a few schematic changes with press man coverage, especially, and the pass rush played better. And so I just, I have a hard time believing that they are actually better without Peters. I guess we'll see, you know, if on Sunday they come out looking flat again, maybe then it's time to start asking some questions. Um, a rejuvenated optimistic Chiefs fan asks, what best defensive alignment versus Phillip Rivers? He called him Phyllis. I actually respect Phil Rivers. I know that's going to be a super unpopular opinion, but the man played on a torn ACL in a playoff game. I, he he is he is legitimately a lunatic. I think he acts crazy sometimes, but by all accounts, he's actually a really nice guy off the field. He's got a million kids, so I identify with him. And I just you know he clearly wants to win so badly, and he plays the position so well despite having no arm and throwing it like a shot put. So I don't call him Phyllis anymore just because I respect the guy. I know I hate myself too. So. Um, best defensive alignment. Honestly, there is no best defensive alignment against a guy like Rivers. With Rivers, what you need to do is you need to get to him. You need to get him off his spot because if he has enough time, he will pick your defense apart. And so there's really no one thing that works against him other than pressure. Sam Nave asked, do you foresee any coaching changes this offseason? Um, it depends on how this winds down. I really think the defense has struggled enough in a lot of respects that I do think Bob Sutton's coaching for his job. Um, I, Andy Reid would never openly put someone on the hot seat, but it is a little concerning. And, you know, the Chiefs defensive talent, one can talk about, they don't have a ton of talent at this point, especially without Eric Berry. But, um, although, you know, seeing Tamba come back and play well, that lifts the talent, right? Seeing passing, you start to develop that lifts the talent. And so it, you can see the argument that Bob Sutton is a defensive coordinator that's overly reliant on his guys just winning individual matchups rather than scheming them to success. You know, someone compared him, you know, maybe he's the, the Alex Smith of defensive coordinators. He looks very good when he's got very good talent, but when you but he can't lift up average talent and most defensive coordinators would fit that description. But I think some people, you know, the way they might see it is if Sutton isn't any better than average, why not get a guy who does things a little differently and maybe is a little more of an attacking style coordinator. So I could see that. Um, and then I do think Matt Nagy, if he keeps doing what he's doing, might get offered a head coaching gig somewhere. My hope is that it'll be on too short a sample size and so that he won't. But, you know, last time something like this happened, the Eagles came calling for Doug Peterson. So we'll see. Uh, Nick Volanek asks, should we count on K-Pass improving and taking over the OLB spot opposite Houston or take a chance on the rookie in the draft, assuming Hully is gone after this year? We got to see what happens. Um, passing you looks light years better than he was in the preseason. Um, but, you know, it's tough. I, I always hesitate to count on guys continuing to develop because as we've talked about in previous podcasts, that can be a sucker's bet sometimes. But right now he's looking pretty solid. Um, I, I wouldn't bet against him with the amount that he's improved so far and the physical gifts that he has. Um, 
moving, continuing to move on. Snowman asked if Sharkandrick West is underused. You know, West has looked good in a limited role. Um, West is a, a, a running back who, when he has good blocking, can do some things because he's quick. Um, but I do think he's at his best in that third down role for sure. Um, man, we are getting through so many. I am very, uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud of myself. I mean, you know, never mind that I'm now wasting time. So I'm going to keep moving forward. Um, Neil Maxwell asks, is there any reason why the special teams, meaning mostly kick return or punt return, hasn't clicked yet this year? I can't remember the last time the Chiefs went this long without one taken back. Um, I would say the kick return has been very disappointing. Um, as far as punt return goes, um, uh, uh, Taub came out and he said uh, – you know that that guys are just skying punts to Tyree Kill. They're terrified of them, and I think that's the, I think that's obvious. As far as the kick returns go, as far as I can tell, their their blocking just hasn't been that good, and so that's a that's frustrating for me because that's something that's supposed to be a strength of theirs. And so I've been a little disappointed by the special teams this year. Although I will say the coverage units have still been very very good. Um, so I've got a few questions here that uh, were, were all related to stuff that I've already talked about. Um, someone says, I have one that isn't related to football, if that's fine with you. But then he never followed up. So Thracian King 51, and I know you, man. You and me have chatted. Uh, that is absolutely okay. In fact, I might end up getting one of those. Um, I had a question from Spaceman follow up. What three pending free agents would you re-sign if you could and why? I honestly couldn't even tell you what guys are free agents this year. I've really been that focused on on this season and what they have going on. So I I I, I this is this I reason I answer this is just to admit that there is a lot of to the time where I'm kind of a focused kind of guy. I look at one thing at a time. And so I just I couldn't even tell you. Um, I do think that they've got a good core of players in place, but they've got to be careful about not overpaying for guys who are average or a little better. And as much as I love, say, Eric Fisher and the improvements that he's made, um, he's struggled this year and he has not at all lived up to his contract. And so you got to be careful with things like that. How big a payday are you giving guys and are you giving it to them based on what you th- what you think they are? Or what you think they could be. And the latter is can be very dangerous. Um, I saw... So I have got a question now from uh, Clinton Petrie. Can the pass rush sustain? Um, you know what? That's going to depend on Chris Jones and Tom Ahali. Um, if they keep showing up like they did, yes. If the other role players like uh, Jarvis Jenkins and, and Alan Bailey show up and make a few plays here and there, yes. You can base your pass rush around Justin Houston, but he cannot do it all by himself. And so you you need some other guys to step up. If they do, absolutely. Uh, Nathan Carnahan says that the Chiefs win the division. How do you feel about their possible playoff matchup with Buffalo, Ravens, or Titans? I think they can beat any of those teams. Absolutely. Um they uh they 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 are a team that can beat anyone. They've proven that, but they can also lose to anyone. That is a very very frustrating place to be as a as as a Chiefs fan because they they again, they could beat anyone, but they could lose to anyone. It's very frustrating. There's not a team in the league you know, I was saying this a couple weeks ago that now all of a sudden every team in the league scared me. But I'm in this weird position where any team that they face, I'm like, okay, they got a shot. But also any team they face, I'm like, well, they, 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 there's a good chance they might lose too. That's a frustrating place to be. 
Uh, Don Beal asks, is taking four field goals against a bad Raiders D enough? Can't believe I'm saying this, but the Chargers put this unbelievably bad feeling in my stomach. Can you whisper sweet nothings into my ear and tell me it's going to be okay? Well, Don, I don't know about the sweet nothings part, but I can tell you that um, the Chiefs left some opportunities on the field against the Raiders, and they still put up 26. And so I guess I would say, you know, the, the Chargers, the Chargers scare me for sure, but I, the Chiefs have beaten them once at on at their house. Now, not that that's much of a home field advantage. This will be at Arrowhead, um, and they I think they've got a very good chance of beating them. Um, the Chargers have a very good defense, but I'm actually glad this is happening because this can really answer the question that because you know if they just played three bad teams in a row to close out the season. How would you feel heading into the playoffs? The Chargers are at least a solid team. They're on a hot streak right now. And this is a chance for the Chiefs to show, okay, we are actually back. Um, American Bulldog asks, are the Chiefs on on their way back to being respectable or are the Raiders just that crappy? Hey, the Raiders had won three of four, albeit against not very good teams. So I think hopefully they're on their way back to being respectable. But you need to see two games in a row. Uh, in order to have a lot of a lot of confidence, um, Ty Declare asked, "What do you see from Terrell?" I hadn't seen much prior to this last week, and obviously he got hurt, so now his season's over. But you know, he made some plays on the ball. He made one really good pass breakup where he wasn't afraid to launch his shoulder in there and knock out the ball. Well, I was actually his helmet that knocked out the ball, but he led with his shoulder, and so I thought he showed a few good things. You know, it's just unfortunate for him that the moment he has that. Um, well, then he's injured. Season over. So he flashed a few traits, but nothing really enough to tell me much. I get asked by a Seth. Great name, Seth. Um, what is your take on Andy dressing down Sutton after the timeout right before Oakland? Almost had a delay of game penalty. Seemed kind of out of character for Big Red. I remember exactly what you're talking about. Seeing Reed really kind of lay into him. And, you know, to be fair, that was a really stupid timeout. Um it was different for Andy Reid, and that's part of what makes me think, you know, man, if Andy Reid cracked down on Marcus Peters, maybe he's cracking down everywhere. And maybe Bob Sutton is starting to answer a little bit for things that maybe previously Andy wasn't making him answer for. Just because Andy Reid is a guy who, you know, he says, here's, uh, you know, here's the defense. You do your thing. Well, if he... uh If, if, if he's being a little more of, okay, I'm, I'm the boss man, Andy Reid, well, there you go. Um, that, that might be what Bob Sutton's seen. And that makes me wonder exactly how safe Bob Sutton is. But again, it's just one interaction. Could have just been the heat of the moment. But I do think it's good seeing Reed be a little bit more fiery on the field. I think the team needed the coach to step up and do that. Um, Country Boy 567 asks, how did you react to the midseason finale of The Walking Dead? Um, well, I don't want to do spoilers, but I would just say that it was good to see them up the stakes and go into uncharted territory because I was very surprised by what they did. Very, very, very surprised. And it gives me hope for what next season is going to be like, or I'm sorry, what the rest of the season is going to be like. I actually have kind of enjoyed this season. A lot of people have hated it. I've actually kind of liked it. It's been very action packed. It's kind of funny because in previous seasons, most recently people are like, Oh, it's plotting. Well, this season, tons of crap's happening and now people are still complaining. I'm convinced that the walking dead is some version of like the DC comics films to where it's just kind of become trendy to hate on. 
And, you know, I enjoy it, whatever. Maybe I have bad taste. What are you going to do? All, all of you who are way too sophisticated can all talk to yourselves about how wonderful Mad Men is, I guess. I personally found that show borderline in suffering. But it is what it is. Um, so we've got a few more here that let me see how much time. I've, oh, I've got time for a couple more. We are doing an all-time efficient podcast here. Um, so I've got uh, uh, Taylor Mayfield asked, what position group should the Chiefs focus on in the upcoming draft? I'm not going to talk too much about the draft, but I would like to see them take a look at defensive line pass rushers and corners. I'm actually pretty happy with the offense overall. Maybe grab a guard, but I mean, take a look at the offense. The offense, I, I really like it. I think with it schemed right, I think with Patty Mahomes in there, I think they'll be just fine. I think they need to help out the defense and add some talent. Um, Clint Miller says, I've been dying for someone to address incorrect fan narratives. All right, here's one. Uh, people have been saying that the only reason the Raiders started to move the ball and, and score was because the Chiefs shifted into prevent defense in the fourth quarter. That is absolutely, completely not true. Um, the Chiefs didn't switch into any kind of anything resembling a prevent defense. And even then, it wasn't really a prevent for most of the time until the very last Oakland drive. Until then, they were mostly playing press man coverage. Oakland just played better. They, they made some good plays. That was it. It Just because a team starts scoring at the end of a game doesn't mean the opposing defense started playing prevent. That was absolutely not accurate. So there's, there's a fan narrative that's wrong. Josh Ferguson asked, how is Chris Jones relevant in this game, not the last two months? It was interesting. When I went back and rewatched some film of prior games, Jones was playing better than I thought. It was just kind of the, almost a modified situation of what we saw going on with Justin Houston where quarterbacks were getting rid of the ball ex- extremely quickly and no one else was winning. And so you just didn't have anyone else chasing the quarterback. And so it was really easy for him to for it was really easy for him to get not washed out of plays, but to look unimpactful. However, he also on a snap by snap basis, you never knew what you were going to get out of him. He might get stonewalled by one guy or he might throw two guys out of the way. He's got to improve that consistency. Chance Hogg asks, so I can't remember. Did you like the Punisher or not? I don't know if he's kidding. Go watch the Punisher. It's extremely violent, extremely violent. So be careful for that. Obviously, it's not for around the kiddos, but it's really, really well done. It actually makes you think about a lot of serious issues, but not in like a preachy way. It just does it by being a well done show, which for me separates it from a lot of other shows that make you think about things because they kind of hit you over the head constantly with the message they're trying to make you believe. Whereas with the Punisher, it's just an incredibly well done show that makes you think about some of the issues like PTSD, like kind of uh, war and the effect on people, violence in general. It was just a great show overall. But I mean, that was the role that uh, I cannot remember his name now, but you know, Shane from the walking dead, that was the role that he was born to play. If you haven't watched that yet, you definitely should. I think it might be my favorite of all the Marvel ones that they've done. And I liked, I love Daredevil. Um, and this one I think might be better. Uh, all right, let's see. We got time for just a few more. A bunch of these now. Uh, since I'm doing pop culture, and a bunch of you have probably turned this off already, what is your take on the upcoming Star Wars movie? Could, and that's from Jeremy, could not be more excited. Couldn't be more excited, guys. 
And seriously, since it seems like we're almost done with the podcast anyway, a bunch of you guys had a few weird questions for me, and then I'll do one more football question when I'm done with these. Uh, John Dixon asked me, boxers or briefs? Um, John Dixon and I go way back on Arrowhead Pride. Um, he and I kind of, you know, quote unquote, knew one another, you know, internet knew one another well before I was a contributor, let alone a paid contributor, let alone everything that's happened in the last few years with how the site's blown up and how my readership has kind of improved and all that stuff. Um, and so John's a funny guy, uh, boxers or briefs. And it was actually replied to by J comp 11, who is another guy who's I've, who I've known for a long time, brought me to my first chiefs game. Says he's got eight kids. Don't think that's possible for a briefs man. You know, I'm not going to answer, but you know, Jamie's not wrong. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you guys, I just wanted to say you guys crack me up. Um, Severn 58. Again, if you don't follow Severn on Twitter, you're missing out. He's a very funny guy. He said top gunner roadhouse. I'm going with roadhouse. I mean, I'm crazy for Swayze and I just, I don't know. Well, goose swings it the other way. I'm going to stick with roadhouse before I change my mind. All right. And I have one last question that I might as well hit. Um, a couple of guys asked me, so at this juncture, um, do I still stand by my take from a couple of weeks ago that they should have put Mahomes in? You know, it's kind of tough because Alex immediately had a really good game against the Jets and then played pretty decently against the Raiders. Here's one thing I will say, and I'm not saying yes and I'm not saying no, but I am saying that what I've seen on film is is in part, it's not just Alex playing way better all of a sudden. The offense is winning individually. The offense is winning as a group a lot more. And so I could very easily be talked into the idea that Mahomes could be doing what Alex is currently doing. That's all I'm going to say on that. That was the most mailbag questions anyone has ever answered in that period of time. I'm confident that you could call Guinness on it. Um, But for now, my voice hurts. I got to get some sleep. And I just, you know, I'm already answering questions about boxes or briefs. So who knows what I'll say if I, if I stay up much later and do this much longer so that we're going to call it a day on that. I'm really excited for the chargers game. I might actually be able to watch it live with you guys. Um, and then of course, obviously the chief in the North, I'll try to get back to posting on Mondays. Um, should be a little easier with the game on on Saturday this week. Um, in the meantime, just keep in mind, it is a good week to be a Chiefs fan. Enjoy these times. Enjoy this moment. Enjoy the feeling of hope. I understand you're concerned about getting your feelings crushed, but you know what? Why, why spend life worrying about stuff? Just enjoy fun football. Enjoy Tyreek Hill outrunning people. Enjoy Travis Kelsey being great. Enjoy Kareem Hunt shaking 10 tackles. Enjoy watching Ragland and K-Pass develop. Enjoy Justin Houston, an elite player at his, in his prime. Enjoy these things because that's what this is supposed to be about, guys. It's supposed to be fun. So keep having fun, Chiefs Kingdom. Enjoy yourself while you watch these games. This is supposed to be fun. So yeah, is there a little bit to worry about? Maybe, sure. But you know what? Let's just enjoy the fact that the Chiefs control their own destiny in a year that going into it, we all kind of thought of as a throwaway year because everyone was waiting for the Mahomes era to start. So I'm excited to watch it. As always, I really appreciate your listening. Um, Please remember to subscribe and rate and review and all that stuff. You guys have been so generous with your listening and your reviews. Um, Please keep it coming. It really does make a difference. I know it's crazy, but it's true. Uh, I appreciate you guys listening. As always, this has been a blast. Thanks for listening to The Chief in the North, the land of 10,000 takes. And I will talk to you guys next week.